The scripture reading is from 1 Peter 1, verses 14 to 23. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And if you address as father the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of times for you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. By obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love for the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. One of the great truths that is proclaimed by the New Testament is that whenever anyone comes to Christ through faith, that person becomes a member of God's family. God is now their father. Christ is now their brother. They themselves are now a beloved child of God. Other believers in the church are now their brothers, their sisters in the faith. They're in God's family now. And you, you see this truth reflected in the language of today's passage. The, the Apostle Peter here is writing to some early Christians in the first century, and he says to them, verse 14, you are obedient children. Verse 17, you address God as father. Verse 22, you love each other as sisters, as brothers, your, your family now. And why is this? Well, he says, verse 23, it's because you have been born again. You know, when you're born, you are born into a family. When you're born again, you're born into a new family. He says, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. Whenever anyone comes to Christ through faith, that person joins God's family. Now, in the light of that truth, today's passage raises the question, so what? What, what difference does it make if I'm in God's family now? What, what does that change for me? Does it, does it really, does it change anything? Well, Peter says, yes, it does. In fact, he says it ought to change two things. First, he says, being in God's family should change the way you live. A few years ago, there was a commercial on television for Ancestry.com. Ancestry.com is one of those services. They test your DNA. They tell you where you come from, right? So in the commercial, uh, there's this man. He's like in his living room. He's staring at the camera, and he says, when I was a kid, they always told me that we were German. So I took classes in German folk dancing, and I bought myself some lederhosen, and they flashed to the scene of him with the little hat with the feather and the leather shorts, and he's dancing away. And then, and then 
uh, they go back to the first scene and he says, but then I signed up for Ancestry.com and I learned that I do not have even one drop of German blood, but I am over 50% Scotch-Irish. And they show him now, he's dressed like a bagpiper with the plaid and everything, and he says, so I got rid of my lederhosen and I bought myself a kilt. Now, it's kind of a silly commercial, but the man's idea was this. His idea was, if I am in a certain family, I am going to live like a member of that family. If my family is German, I'll do German things. If my family is Scottish, I will do Scottish things. I'm going to live like the family I belong to. And basically, that's the point Peter's making here, verse 14 through 21. Live like the family you belong to. Verse, verse 14, he says, as obedient children... Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Verse 15, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. One uh, Christian author named Jerry Bridges wrote this. He said, God has not called us to be like those around us. Can I repeat that? God has not called us to be like those around us. He has called us to be like himself. In other words, there, there ought to be a family resemblance between us and our Father, right? Our, our, our Father is holy. What does that mean? That means God is righteous, God is good, God is truthful, God is just. Our Father is holy. As His children, we are to be holy as well. He's, Peter says, as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy. And then he says, in all your conduct. In other words not just when you're in church, not just on a Sunday morning, not just when you are engaged in quote-unquote religious activities. He says, all the time, in everything you do, in all your conduct, seek to reflect the holy character of your Father. And why is this? He says, because God is holy and God is your Father. God is your Father. I had, I had a friend who, when she was a teenager... She told me that before she was going to go out, you know, to hang out with her friends, her dad would always stop her at the door, and he would not give her a lecture on drinking. He would not give her a lecture on drugs. He would not warn her about, you know, the dangers of premarital sex. He would just kind of look her in the eye and say, he'd say, Marta, remember whose kid you are. Remember whose kid you are. As if to say to her, Marta, listen, daughter, you don't have to impress anyone out there. It doesn't matter what your friends think about you. It doesn't matter what the kids at school say about you. It doesn't matter. I'm your father. I love you. At the end of the night, you're coming home to my house. In fact, he said, my house is your home. Remember whose kid you are. And, and I kind of think that's the point Peter's getting at in verse 17. Verse 17, he says, if you address as father... The one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are con to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. So he's, he's saying, listen, Christian, the one who's going to judge the world, the one who judges the universe, is the one you call father, right? He's your father. So if, if you just think about that, that is so liberating. He's saying, listen, he's saying, at the, at Christian, at the end of time, when all is said and done, you're not going to be judged by your society. You're not going to be judged by your peers. You're not going to be judged by your relatives. doesn't matter if they're proud about, of you or not. You're not. No. He said, listen, 
you don't have to live your life preoccupied with impressing or fitting in with those people. You don't have to do anything at all to impress them. Why? Because at the end of time, you will find that the one who sits on the judgment seat of the universe is the one you address as father. He loves you. He adopted you. You're, you're, you're his child. You're a member of his family. His house is your home. So Peter says, live for him. Don't live for them. Live for him. So I wonder if, uh, if there are any ways that you've fallen into a trap. It's so easy to do. If you've fallen into the trap of living for the approval of other people, or you've fallen into the pattern of, 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 of living for the acceptance of, of the surrounding world, you know, living that way is to follow a path that will lead to, lead to slavery. And the good news is, Christian, you don't have to do that. You don't have to impress them. Why? Because the one who's going to judge the world is who? The one who, listen, the one who loves you enough that he calls you his child. So Peter says, live for him, for him. Now, we have to admit that Peter's words here in verse 14 to 17, they are sobering words, aren't they? Be holy in all your conduct. Conduct yourselves with fear, with reverent fear. I mean, I, I get the sense that Peter, he, he just wants us to know we should take this seriously. This is not something to just breeze by and, and, and forget about. We should take this seriously. But what, but what we need to notice, and don't miss this, Peter's serious words of instruction here, they are built on a foundation of grace. Verse 18 and 19, Peter says this, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down from the fathers, from the ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. So it's important to see what Peter's saying here. He is not saying, if you are an obedient child and you conduct yourself with holiness and you are pleasing to your heavenly Father, then and only then, you will be redeemed. He's not saying that. He says, verse 18, you were redeemed, right? It already happened. The blood, the blood of Christ was, has already been shed for your redemption. In fact, he says this redemption, verse 20, he says this was planned before the foundation of the world. So he's not saying, if you honor the Father, then you can be part of the family. No, he's, he's saying, you're already in the family by grace. Now, honor the Father. Honor your Father. Live, live, like, live like a member of the new family you, you belong to. You were redeemed. It's also uh, important to notice, I think, the, um, the way Peter is talking about redemption here. He, he, he describes a facet of our redemption that sometimes we overlook. Peter here is not talking about redemption from the penalty for sin, which is something Christ does for us. We read many places in the Bible of Jesus presenting himself as a substitutionary atonement for our sins. In other words, you find that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty that our sins deserve. Peter's not talking about that here. He's, he's, he's not denying that. He's just adding a new dimension. Peter here is not talking about redemption from the penalty for sin. He's talking about our redemption from the power of sin. 
Notice what he says. He doesn't say, you were redeemed from God's wrath. No, he says, you were redeemed from a way of life. You were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors. So he's, he's saying, Christ died for your forgiveness, but he's saying Christ didn't merely die to get you forgiven. He's saying, Christian, Christ died to set you free. Free from what? He says, from that empty way of life that was handed down to you. The way you were always told, well, this is the way you're supposed to live in this world, and it turned out to be so empty and, and shallow and, 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 and dishonoring to God. He said, you're, you are free from that way. You don't, he's like, Christian, you don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to lose your temper anymore. You don't have to look at porn anymore. You don't have to hoard your money anymore. You don't have to hold on to grudges anymore. Why? He says, because you're free now. You're free you see that idea, idea in Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 verse 14 says, Sin shall no longer be your master. You have to fight with sin. You have to struggle with it. But it, does, it, it, it doesn't own you. It's not your boss anymore. Sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. So you're in the, you're in the family. Have you come to Christ? Have you trusted in him? If not, he's calling you today. But if you've trusted in him, you are in the family now. The Father loves you. So Peter says, live for him. Live for him. So big deal. What difference does it make if we're in the family? Well, first, being in God's family should change the way that we live. Secondly, Peter says, being in God's family should change the way that we love, the way that we love each other. Verse 22, he says, by obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers and sisters. He says, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, he's, he's talking here about the love that we have for each other in the church, right? The love that we have for our sisters and brothers in the Lord. And, and notice what he says. He says, first, our love is to be sincere. Have you ever had somebody whose love is not sincere? Right? He says that our love is to be sincere. That means not fake, without hypocrisy. And he, and he says our love is to be earnest. You could translate that fervent or deep or warm. Churches are supposed to be warm places, right? Where the, the love we have for each other, it's characterized by a, a, a real personal warmth. He says it's to be sincere and earnest. And he says it is to come from a pure heart. So let, let me ask you a question just to think about. Um, here's the question. What do you think it would be like to live in a faith community, maybe even grow up in a faith community, where this kind of love is going on, where people, uh, people love each other sincerely and earnestly and warmly and from the heart. What would, it, what would that be like? Well, someone might say, I, I think to be in a community like that, I, th I think it would be like this. If, if, uh, if a person was in need, others would help them. Someone else might say, I, I think in a community like that, people who fail would never, ever be made to feel ashamed. Someone might say, I think if you were in a community like that where there's this sincere, earnest um, love from the heart, I think there would be a lot of open, honest conversation among people. People would really get to know each other and, and share their hearts. Someone else might say, I think if you were in, a, in that kind of community with that kind of love, 
outsiders would not feel like outsiders for very long. And someone else might add, I, th I think in that kind of community, everyone, everyone would learn how to forgive. Well, if you read on in the book of 1 Peter, the, uh, uh, Peter, he, he gives further explanation about the kind of love he's describing here. He says, for example, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, meaning no gossip, right? He, he says in chapter 3, verse 8, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. Be compassionate and humble. Chapter 4, verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Chapter 5, verse 5, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And in, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he writes, what I think, in my humble opinion, is the most important verse on love in this whole epistle. Here's what he says. Do you know this verse? He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over, do you know it? A multitude of sins. Someone says, I, I can't love the people of this church. They're all a bunch of sinners. <laughs> Listen, that's why we need you to love us. Sinners need love, right? We need you to, to love us the way Christ loved you, covering over our sin. So being, being in God's family, what difference does it make? It should, it should change the way that we love. And by the way, Peter wrote this, what, almost 2,000 years ago? But there are people who would say that these words are crucial for the cultural moment we live in right now. And let, let me explain why. So it's been observed now for, oh, going back at least a decade that there's an increasing um, departure by the younger generation from Christian, the Christian faith and the church. It's just the younger just generation seems not to be interested in in the gospel anymore. So many Christian thinkers are alarmed and they're asking, what can we possibly do to communicate the gospel to Gen Z or young people in, in just in a meaningful way? And, and there are certainly ways to think about how to shape the message, how to communicate the message. But I think Peter would say, listen, oh man, I think Peter would say there is no more apologetic strategy, more effective than letting young people see a community of faith where this kind of love goes on. I mean, you, you, you can, listen, the words are heard when the love is seen, right? So it's, this is so important in this cultural moment that churches, well, let's put it this way. There's so much hatred and division in our world right now. Young people need to come into the church and say, wow, isn't it weird? It doesn't happen here. People who vote for different parties, they still love each other. People who come from different backgrounds, they still love each other. People, people who have maybe different worship preferences, they still love each other and they stick together, right? That just speaks so loudly to the world. So Peter would say, hey, you're in a new family. You've got, you got to live differently and you've got to love differently. And again, notice when he talks about love, again, this is all built on a foundation of grace, unmerited favor. So Peter does not say, okay, if you learn to love others, 
and you really apply yourself, you work hard at this, you learn to love other people, then you can be born into God's family. He doesn't say that. He says you've already been born into the family. Verse 23, he says you have been born again. You notice the tense of that verb, right? It's happened. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. He's saying, listen, believer in Christ, because of God's grace, you're in the family now. You are loved, you are accepted, you are valued. Hear me, believer, you are treasured by the Father. You're in the family now. So live like it and love like it. Honor your Father with your life. Love your brothers and sisters from the heart. Why? Because we're family. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we were outsiders. We were not your children. We were actually your enemies. And yet you gave your son to make your house our home, to make us part of your family. And we thank you for that. We, we pray this morning for anyone for whom that loving invitation of Christ has not yet sunk in, that today they would hear him calling and saying, come home, come home. That they would allow themselves to be embraced by your love. And for the, those of us who, by your mercy, are already in your family, we need your help. Help us to live like children of the Father. And help us to love each other like our brothers and sisters. And as you do this, may Jesus receive all the glory.